Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
Oh yeah, Lewis and Clark. Yes, I remembered. I'm continuing Lewis and Clark. Don't email. You can email though. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. 877-377-4383. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It's going to be a sweet day. You guys <laughs> You guys set in some or 877-377-4373. I'm sorry, Chris. I screwed up the phone number already. It's, go, it's going well. Friday, it's going well. <laughs> it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Call in, email in with your questions. You already sent in some doozies. And I will be getting to them as soon as I get through Lewis and Clark. I am going to do the best I can to wrap up Lewis and Clark fairly early today. Chris already showing the lack of faith on his face that I'll be able to do such a thing. I'm serious, Chris. I've pared things down in my mind. This is going to be like 10 minutes. You watch. All right, maybe 20 or 30, possibly an hour. I'm doing the best I can. Let us begin. I'm not going to give you any kind of a recap for the opening. If you want to know the setup to the Lewis and Clark core of discovery, exploration of the West, little background on Lewis, little background on Clark, so on and so forth. Go listen to yesterday's show. Chris podcasts every single one of them on Google, iHeart, Spotify, and on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Talk about how handsome I am. I'll read my newest review today. It's a a great one. (laughs) So I'm not going over all that. But they are on the river, the Missouri, and they are heading upriver. They have a gigantic keel boat. Again, you can go look at this. It can hold tons, 12 tons to be exact, of gear. And getting upriver is extremely difficult. It is just, they say the guys were consuming 10,000 calories a day trying to keep weight on. Because think about going upriver. And they had three ways they could do it. Well, four ways they could do it. They could use oars. And it's all depended on the the height of the river, the depth of the river, wherever they were. They could use oars. They could use these long poles. You maybe have seen these before. Just picture a long stick, three times the length of a man, with a metal end on it. And essentially, you would walk up to the front of the boat, drive the pole down into the ground, and walk back to the back of the boat, pulling the boat forward. That makes sense? Uh, Brutal, though. Imagine pushing against the tide like that. If the water was way too low, tell me this isn't brutal. Now you're you're about to figure out why they were all basically young men in their 20s, young, strong vets in their 20s. You know, they needed dudes for this trip. When the water was really low, They would get in the river. Basically, you become a pack horse. They throw you a rope. You throw it over your shoulder, and you just start humping up the river. That sucks. That sucks. And 
Now, this did not get used often because how often are you going to have the luck of the wind? They did have a mast. They had a sail on the boat as well. Just one. It was, you know, it's just one. And you're going to need some wind and a decent pace of wind anyway to fight against the tide and haul a 12-ton keelboat up the river. But that was how they moved. And it was rough. It was rough. To put it mildly. And they're starting to encounter things that they hadn't really ever encountered in their lives before. And one of the ones they all write about it. Everybody who kept diaries and multiple people did. Obviously Clark did. Lewis did. Some of the sergeants did. I think a few of the privates did as well. They all talked about the freaking mosquitoes. All of them. All of them complaining about the mosquitoes. And if you've never... If you've never spent time on a Rocky Mountain River, a Midwest River, it's going to be hard for you to understand a mosquito swarm. And this is where I can tell you're already screaming. I know we have a ton of listeners in Florida and the swamp, and you're going to yell at me that I know everything there is to know about mosquitoes. Let me clarify something for you. I've spent a ton of time in Florida myself because I love it. I live in Houston now. I know all about the swamps. I've been in the Thailand triple canopy jungle. I have been in every environment you can possibly imagine. And yes, your mosquitoes suck. And actually, those Florida ones hurt after. Yeah, they're weird. They suck. I admit, they suck. You have bad mosquitoes. You don't know what it's like to be in a swarm of them. It's not two or three around you when you get in some of these little coves, these little eddies in the uh, rivers, it's thousands swarming you. Like you could wave your hand through the air and you'll come out with mosquitoes on the other side of it. It is is like a biblical plague. I've never experienced mosquitoes like that like I have going fishing on a, a river up in Montana. It is unbearable, absolutely unbearable, and it is enough to chase you out of the region, which you will see several times in this story. I don't mean like it's miserable, all this sucks, I'm itchy. I mean, pack up, we have to leave now. We can't live like this. And this is a bit of a culture shock for the fellas, I will tell you. A bit of a culture shock. Food. Here's what you need to understand food-wise. Remember, they were virtually all frontiersmen, so, I mean, they could all hunt and fish on some level, but they really had one or two specialists in each. They were always hunting, looking for fresh meat for the men. When they didn't have fresh meat, at least at this point in the journey, they did pack tons of dried-out meat of different kinds, salt, pork, and otherwise. They had some flour. They had some cornmeal. What, Chris? Chris asked if there was a guy who just fished and that was his job. Yes and no. Let me clarify. You only have, look, we're going to call it 25. Okay. They have more than 25 guys at this time. We're going to explain why in a little bit, but there are going to be roughly 25 guys that go clear from here to the Pacific ocean. Yes. You have specialists. They had a hunter tracker who was a beast. He was, it was just, he was their best shot. He was outstanding in hunting. One of these guys who lived in the woods, they had a guy whose specialty was fishing. 
No question. They had a guy whose specialty was music. He played the fiddle really, really well, and that may sound like nothing, but you go two years without music and see how you feel. I went three months without it in boot camp and felt like I was dying. Music's important for the mood of the group, and music was extremely important throughout this journey when it came to diplomacy with the Indians. Indians would have their whistles. Indians would have their music. And remember, these guys were supposed to be peaceful with the Indians and trade with the Indians and, and you know, work well with the Indian tribes. The fiddle was huge with the Indians, which fiddles are awesome anyway. Who doesn't love a fiddle? Fiddles are sweet. So all that said, everybody could function at it, but there's a huge difference between me going dove hunting and, you know, give me a couple hours and I'm going to, I'm going to get you 10 doves and somebody who really does dove hunting and he's going to have his 15 bag limit in 30 minutes. There's a big, big difference. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. HomeTitleLock.com. You need to go there as you listen to my voice because you need to register your address. Not for something special. You just need to make sure you're not already a victim of home title theft. That's the truth. The truth is you can be a victim of home title theft and not know it. And that's what makes it so dangerous. That's what makes it so crushing. You can't tell. You can't tell until it's too late. You just can't. They take you out, they take a loan out against your home title, which they stole. They forge your signature on it. And you just don't know until you start getting late notices. And even then you don't know because you don't believe them. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, use the promo code JESSE, get yourself 30 days of free protection, but go to HomeTitleLock.com right now before the worst happens. Back to the food. As I said, they prefer not to use up all their dried food. However, it's a necessity. Fruits and veggies are a big, big, big problem because it's hard to keep them. And the men need them. Otherwise, you're going to get scurvy. You got to have vitamin C. You have to have enough diversity in your diet. So they're always foraging. I'm not going to dwell forever on the food. As you know, I could, Chris. But I will tell you this, if you read through the story, it's a constant, constant thing. Not eating, finding it. Somebody is always, at all times, fishing, hunting, or fishing and hunting, or fishing, hunting, and foraging. It is, look, 
These are a bunch of young men burning through calories in a wild area. There is no 7-Eleven. If you can't find something, you will find food or you will die. And they are well aware of the fact, even though they have 12 tons of supplies, they're going to be gone for more than a year, and these supplies are going to run out. They know they're going to run out. These men are all, every one of them, whiskey drinkers. This is not abnormal for the military today, not abnormal for the military in ancient Roman times, and not abnormal for the military in the Lewis and Clark you know, journey or, ex or core of discovery. It's just not. They are rationed their whiskey. Four ounces a day they were given every day at dinner time. They take this very, very seriously. If you want to know how seriously, there were some discipline issues with the core of discovery. Military discipline issues, and we'll go over those, you know, a couple that pop up here in a minute. And when there were discipline issues, what would happen is private so-and-so screws up. They convene a court-martial in the field, you know, Lewis and Clark overseeing it. They would decide on the guilt or innocence of said party, and once it was decided this person was guilty— they would have his fellow troopers, not Lewis and Clark, his fellow dudes, carry out the punishment, which was almost always whipping. Now, it wasn't flogging. Keep in mind, flogging is what happened to Jesus pre-crucifixion. Flogging can kill you with a big ball on the end of the leather straps and oftentimes a, a sharp piece of bone on there. I mean, you can bleed to death from flogging, but whipping is not pleasant. And they would sentence these guys all the time to 50 lashes or 100 lashes. That's, that is brutal. And I, the reason I bring this up is we're talking about whiskey. One night, as can happen, 20-year-old dudes, somebody decides he's had about enough of his four-ounce ration of whiskey. Everybody goes to sleep. You have a fire watch. You will have somebody awake at all times, just like anywhere else in the military. Somebody watching the boat. Somebody awake. Somebody's always watching. He taps into the whiskey. Gets a buddy to tap into the whiskey with him. This was a huge deal. Now, you and I can laugh this off now. You know, 20-year-old whiskey. Ha, ha, ha. Who hasn't been there? Whatever. Understand this. His comrades did not laugh this off. They knew whiskey was limited. They viewed that as outright thievery from them, and it was. And they reportedly enthusiastically carried out the lashes on that young man and his partner. Enthusiastically. There were some other things I'm not going to go into in depth. Uh, somebody would... Fall asleep on post. You know, you you your job, Johnson, it's your job to stay up for the next two hours. This is standard. This is standard anywhere. In the Marine Corps, my entire time in the Marine Corps, we never, ever, 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 ever once didn't have somebody awake. We called it firewatch. Someone was always on firewatch. Sometimes it was a punishment. Sometimes it was, it was just a necessity. And that's peacetime or wartime. Now, you do it in peace for a lot of reasons. Part of it's to prep for war. No matter what. You are 
in the field in 29 Palms without another soul around, safest person in the world, you will have a fire watch up. You're in a completely secure military base. You'll have a fire watch up. And obviously in Iraq, you will have a fire watch up. You will have men posted around you. That is standard military practice. That's not unique to us or anything like that. And it is similar to the whiskey, a very, very, very big deal, especially in combat. If you get caught sleeping, I will tell you more than once. I never, I never, I never actually did that on Firewatch, as a matter of fact, as lousy as I was, but I never did that. But more than once, we would find a guy in peacetime. You know, he's tired. Sometimes you do it as a punishment. You'll make some guy do something horrible, like an hour on, hour off, which you're better off just dying, waking up every hour. It's horrible. But no matter what, you find a guy knocked out, and yeah, you punish him, do some push ups, do your thing, but you're not that mad. In Iraq, you find somebody doing that. Brother, you can get court-martialed for that because that's somebody's life. That's somebody's husband, father, brother. You keep your butt away. It's a big deal. And now think how important it was for Lewis and Clark, surrounded by Indians and such, to have somebody awake at all times. That dude got lashed. And understand this, lashing was kind. They were well within their rights militarily, to fire a bullet in the back of his head and leave him there. They would they would not have even been it wouldn't have even been slightly controversial to do so. That was standard. You'll die for that. Big deal. I should also point out these things were not the norm. You're going to have these problems with with younger guys almost undoubtedly. But for for the most part, remember, Lewis and Clark, they they had an extensive process to figure out who they were taking and who they weren't, and a lot of guys got rejected. They really did pick the cream of the crop. They, they These guys were dynamite, man, really dynamite. And they're making their way west. Slowly, but they're making their way west. They celebrate Independence Day. Uh, kind of cool, isn't that? Even back then, obviously, it'd be probably more important to them back then. We're talking 1804 here, but Independence Day is a big deal. They hand out an extra ration of whiskey. They fire off the cannon on the boat, and they're passing a creek, which obviously hadn't been named. Nothing had been named, really. And they called it Independence Creek. And it is still, to this day, Independence Creek. They are starting to run into Indian tribes. These are friendly interactions, almost universally friendly interactions. And understand that they give this speech about how you are you are now part of part of America. Now congratulations, we're going to be friends. Don't worry, nobody's going to mess with you. They would hand out actual pieces of paper as certificates, like certifying this Indian chief as, you know, being the being the most important man in this Indian tribe and part of America. Congratulations. Here's, here's your certificate certifying that. I will point out now, and this plagued America as we attempted to deal with the Indian tribes, it plagued them. They never could understand about the Indians how decentralized their tribes were. And how even chiefs that we thought were mega, mega, mega powerful, one, were not dictators even in their own tribe, and two, 
had virtually no power in the next tribe over. They were, I mean, they're almost like cells. That's not a way I want to put that because it makes them sound like terrorists, but it really was. They all had their own, their own individual cells, their own individual groups. There wasn't, there wasn't one big man. And that makes it hard when you're negotiating with somebody. It's easy when someone has a king. Well, that's the guy we got to talk to. Indians made that harder. Hang on. Ebb sleep can change how you work. It can change your productivity at work. It just can. It will make you more energetic during the day. That is life-changing, and I know because I've seen it at my job. I come into work, I'm more ready to go. I need to do something extra after the show for this person or that person. Maybe an extra interview here. It's no longer the, oh, man, I don't know. I'm kind of tired. It's, oh, yeah, let's do it. Don't you want that kind of energy now? I'm telling you, it can even make you some money. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. They'll let you try it risk-free for 60 days. Tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryeb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse for 25 bucks off. I sense Chris is getting nervous. The Lewis and Clark expedition, the core of discovery is not moving west very quickly. And we're already 30 minutes into the show. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. I'm tr- Sometimes these points are important. We're talking to the Indians. It's going well. However, the Sioux. We need to talk about the Sioux for a moment. The Sioux were not an unknown entity in the United States of America. Enough word had gotten back about the Sioux and specifically the Teton Sioux. There were really three gigantic sects of Sioux. One of them, forget about one. One's the Yankton, the other's the Teton. The Teton Sioux were by a mile, the most powerful Indian tribe in the Plains area. They were people who, I mean, you can almost think of them like Mongols. They're not near that level of sophistication and organization, but they had got their hands on horses. Remember, the Spanish had brought horses into North America hundreds of years earlier. The Comanche mastered the horses, the Sioux mastered the horses, and the Sioux were... I mean, I love the Sioux. The Sioux were warlike. Don't listen to that crap, even though it's a great movie, Dances with Wolves, that showed the Pawnee. Wasn't it the Pawnee were the bad guys in Dances with Wolves? And the gentle Sioux, just, just trying to get by. No, 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 no. The Sioux terrorized every other Indian tribe out there. Absurdly, absurdly warlike. And very, very good at it. They were awesome. 
Absolutely awesome. I love them. I, I love them. They're one of my favorites. But we're about to have a culture clash big time. So the Americans were aware of the suit. And you should know, remember, the British are in Canada at this time. British are doing lots of trading into North America still at this time. British are still real salty about that whole American Revolution thing. We still have another war with the Brits coming up soon. Remember, we're 1804, 1812, we're going to be fighting them again. To say things are tense between us and the Brits would be putting it mildly. The Teton Sioux were trading with the Brits. That was helping them maintain their strength. One thing you need to get about these Indian tribes, and Lewis and Clark will run into this extensively, they're desperate not not, not to stay away from uh, white guys to trade with white guys because they want weapons. They want equipment. It helps their tribe gain superiority over the other tribe. Now, see, I'm going to end up getting distracted. You know what? Let's just accept it. This is probably going to be a three-parter because we have to talk about this when it comes to the Indian tribes. They're all different. They had different priorities, different ways of life, depending on where they lived and what they prioritized. They were warlike. They weren't warlike. They were hunters. They were fisher. They were farmers. They were, they were all these things, okay? But what they weren't was more technologically advanced than each other. This tribe in the Pacific Northwest is going to have a totally totally different lifestyle than the Seminole Indians of Florida. 100% different. However, you put them side by side with each other and technologically the same, equal. There's no advancement there. It's part of the reason they ended up getting conquered. So once they got in contact with the Europeans and then Americans, once you know those Europeans became Americans, what they wanted was stuff because it gave them finally a leg up over people they were always competing with. Always. Yes, it's nice. Nice to meet you. Haha, ha. nice to meet you, Americans. Yeah, what do you have for guns? How's your knife selection looking? How are the hatchets? How are the, They wanted these things. Gunpowder, shot. What do you have for me? Understandable. Lewis and Clark would fight this the entire way west and back because while they were happy to trade what they could with the Indians, they did not want to give them any weapons of any kind like that. They didn't want to arm them up. Well, the Sioux were very capable on horseback, an outstanding tribe anyway, and trading with the Brits. They were dominating, dominating all the other Indian tribes. And they were the alphas out there. The Sioux, the Sioux took what they wanted. They took it when they wanted. Well, we're in for a bit of a culture clash, aren't we? When you have a bunch of heavily armed, accomplished military guys with advanced weaponry who very much see themselves as superior to the savages around them. That's how they saw themselves. And as the expedition is starting to talk to these Indian tribes and push west and push west, they're starting to get warnings. Um, you know you know the Sioux are coming up, right? If you go, keep going up this river. Uh, you guys have heard about the Sioux, haven't you? Uh, are, these, are these all the guys you have? I just want to be clear because you, know you know you're going into the Sioux territory. They knew about the Sioux before the trip. Along the way, they're hearing more and more about the Sioux, and they're 
apprehensive, to put it mildly. They're certainly ready. If you're wondering how they're communicating with all these Indian tribes, just know they're always running into trappers and traders. Remember the French, you remember the story from yesterday, the French were heavily involved here, the Spanish were heavily involved here, and they had had people here forever, and these guys would move into this area and trap and trade, and they'd marry Indian women and deal with Indian tribes all the time, trading with each other, and therefore they ablah. So they're always picking up a trapper or a trader who wants some money. Maybe it's off-season. Maybe he just wants a little extra cheddar. The U.S. Army can write a big fat check to you. Hey, you want to come along a month, two months, a year? Translate for us. Help out. This is going to come into play here shortly. So they're heading up the river, heading up the river, heading up the river, and they run into the Yankton Sioux. Remember, that's not the Teton Sioux. This is the Yankton Sioux very much separate, sometimes at odds with the Teton Sioux. These, just because they're all Sioux or Lakota, depending on how you want to put it, different. They're aggressive. They want guns. The answer is no. This meeting goes fine. But again, this was not what they were supposed to be worried about. They were worried about the Teton Sioux that were coming. Now, this is a funny part of the story. I always found it to be funny. It was the biggest shock in the world. See, it's not going to be shocking to you. It's going to be hard to put yourself in this mindset. It was the biggest shock in the world for these guys when they hit the Great Plains and there weren't trees. Sounds weird, right? But understand this. I've lived all over the country. Everywhere you go, there are trees back east. Everywhere. There's no such thing as Great Plains. All of a sudden, you get to this, they described it as an ocean of grass. And there not only aren't trees around, there aren't trees as far as the eye can see. It's an ocean of grass. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to adapt to this world. How do you even, how do you even start fires out here? It was total, it was like, like we talked about yesterday. It was like they had landed on the moon. They write about it. Like there, there, there's no timber anywhere. They thought it was really, really weird. And it would be, wouldn't it? it? Again, they don't have they don't have a smartphone they can look up any environment in the world. If you want right now to check out what it's like at uh, Mount Fuji, Japan, guess what? It's five seconds away on an internet search. If you've never seen or heard about the Great Plains until you sail your boat into them, that can be quite a shock, can it? That can be quite a shock. And it was. Now, they're approaching the Teton Sioux. Like I said, they're prepared. They're not stupid. But it starts to go bad pretty much right away. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Goldalliance.com slash Jesse. You need to remember that because you need to have some gold in your portfolio. You know there are laws in economics, right? 
There are laws. Some things are theories. There are several theories out there. All that stuff's fine. But some things are a fact. When you print currency unbacked, that devalues the currency. That's not a theory. That is a fact. And the Fed is printing money by the trillion right now. That story ends one way and only one way. Do not let them rob you of the retirement income you've planned for, you've worked hard for. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Go there today. Get a gold IRA. Get it now. They're approaching the Teton Sioux. They know they're approaching the Teton Sioux. They don't want this to go poorly because they can't afford for it to go poorly. These are all military guys. They're well-armed. They're very capable. But keep in mind, the Sioux are, the Sioux vastly outnumber them. So what do they do? They essentially stop short and start a huge fire so the Sioux know they're there as a way to just be like, hey, we're here. And of course, the Sioux come. And... At this time, and this happened a lot with the Americans. They would kind of peacock a little bit, a bit of a show of force. Oh, hey, nice to meet you. Oh, is that my weapon I'm carrying? Yeah, I just like to carry it around. Yeah, I know you've never seen anything like that before. Hey, you want to see how it shoots? Oh, look at that. Wow, right? Really impressive. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah, no, that is a cannon. You want to see what that does? There was a lot of that. And remember what they're going into, though. They're going into the Sioux, who are the alphas on this block, and call all the shots and use that power. These are a different Indian tribe than the ones the Americans have been learning to live with, than the ones the Americans have been trading with. The Sioux immediately steal a horse. Now... I can tell this is where the show is going to derail because I'm going to have to wrap this up and get to ask Dr. Jesse Friday soon. But we need to talk about something here. As you know, I have some historical peoples I love, some historical peoples I don't. I think about the Aztecs and child sacrifice. I'm perfectly fine telling you I think those are gutter trash, garbage people in a dog trash culture, and I hate them. I do. So it clouds when it clouds me when I talk about them, you know, I like Japan. The Japanese fascinate me. I like the Indian tribes, lots of them, especially the warlike ones. I grew up cowboys and Indians, and I was both. I was a cowboy and I was the Indians. I think some of the Indian tribes, the warlike ones, are awesome. I never understood. The Indian tribes that run from their warlike history to this day. Oh, that's not true. We weren't warlike. We were mostly, oh, shut up. Yes, you were, and it was awesome. You dominated everybody. By the end of the Lewis and Clark expedition, and we'll go into this more and more, there was a lot of bitterness towards Indian tribes. They were helped out a lot by the Indians, but theft, thievery, 
stealing. The Americans, because they came from a different culture, could not handle that. Drove them insane. And as you know, I am the most immoral, soulless monster in the world. You know this. I I admit this. However, stealing is my thing. I hate it. With the fire of a thousand suns, I hate it. You could leave me $10 million in hundreds and tell me you'll be back in 20 years for it. You could leave it to me in a suitcase and you'd come back in 10 years and every dime would be there. That's how much I hate it. Hate it. When people take things from me as have happened in the past, it puts me into a blind rage. And I would never take anything from anyone else. And I'm not saying that to act morally superior. Believe me, I'm not morally superior. It's just my thing. And that part of that's an American thing because it drove the Americans nuts. However, I have to step in here and defend the Lakota who very much stole the horse right away. That's not their thing. And it was not their thing uh, in the tribes, lots of them. Lots of the tribes. And again, if you're an Indian today and you're proud of your heritage and this offends you, I don't care. that you, you're, you're listening to the wrong show if you get offended. I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm trying to explain things. They stole. They stole from each other all the time. That was, it was, uh, it's hard for me to put into words. It was almost their shopping. I know that sounds bad, but it was. And not just horses, women, children. You would always run into prisoners from this tribe or that tribe. They would raid all the time. You send 20 warriors out, little war party, and you come across uh, uh, five Pawnee women washing their clothes in the river, they're coming with you. Oh, look, some horses. You're coming along. It was their young men, their young warriors proving themselves. Part of that was how they proved themselves, and they would have thought nothing, absolutely nothing morally wrong with it. You take what you can get your hands on. That was part of survival in the Wild West with the tribes. So if it sounds like I'm defending the Lakota here, it's because I am. That's what they did. Obviously, I understand the Americans being horrified by this. The Sioux wouldn't have thought twice about it. Oh, look, there's a horse. I think I'll take it. That's what they did. So right away, A situation that was already going to be tense. Now that's even gotten ratcheted up some. And it doesn't help that the British were very much exploiting this situation by telling the Indians the Americans are going to come kill you all. So the Tetons are really wary. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Tensions are rising. Clark takes his canoe. They have a couple canoes. Remember, they weren't called canoes. They were bigger than canoes, but takes his canoe to the shore, gets to the shore to meet with the Sioux chief. There's a bunch of Sioux warriors there, and the Sioux warriors go ahead and grab his line of his canoe to take that too when he gets to the shore. Clark, as you remember, is a brave military man who has been in more than one scrap in his lifetime and they're Americans very much ready to fight at the drop of a hat. Boom. Indians on the ridge, Indians on the shoreline, Americans in the river, Clark standing there by himself, sword comes out. Now we got a bit of a standoff, don't we? Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I want you to know because it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and we're all in a good mood today, and we're going to have a blast, that I'm doing something kind for you right now. During the break, I considered, I genuinely considered not telling you what happens next in the Lewis and Clark story and just telling you, listen Monday for the I'm not going to do that. It would be too harsh. I wouldn't blame you if you just dog cussed me an email if I did it, so I'm not doing it. Is this going to go a third part for Monday? No questions. I've got to cut this off. I have way too many questions to get to. You were kind enough to send them in. I'm going to answer them. But I will tell you, Clark, sword drawn. They load the cannon on the boat. Remember, the cannon on the boat is not like a cannon cannon. It's a miniature cannon on a on a stand. And it holds not a cannonball. It holds 16 musket shells. All the men have their weapons at the ready. The blunderbusses are ready. Remember, I told you about the blunderbusses yesterday. They're uh, a shotgun. 
You just need to think of them like a shotgun. And some of them are, I mean, big shotguns. They're on sticks, too. A couple of them are mounted, too, on the keelboat. Indians, not exactly shrinking violets, the Tetons, Sioux. They're ready, too. Arrows notched. The entire thing would have gone downhill right here. This would have been the end of the expedition. Could the Americans have fought their way out of it? I don't know. I don't know. They were heavily outnumbered. They had the superior weaponry. Sewer pretty stinking tough. It's just, I, I don't know. But no matter what, that would have been the end of it. You would have taken so many casualties. You just, you would have had to, you'd have been, you'd have had to scrap the whole thing. And by the grace of God, a Sioux chief by the name of Black Buffalo steps in and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, uh, so how's the weather back east? He essentially steps. He didn't ask about the weather. He essentially stepped in and changed the subject and got them all talking about different things. They, the expedition stayed with the Sioux just a couple more days. They did go to, you know, some dances with the Sioux. Things were okay. But there was so much tension there. When they shoved off, the Sioux were upset. The Sioux really, remember I told you all the Indians wanted guns? The Sioux pretty much demanded guns. Oh, no, you'll give us your guns. And Lewis and Clark were not people, by the grace of God, who took that crap. They said, actually, I won't. I'll give you the business end of it. When they shoved off, They didn't exactly part as friends. And remember that fire watch I told you about in the beginning? That got a lot busier after this because for at least two or three days after, they were very, very, very concerned about the Sioux tracking them down, sneaking up on them, and killing them all. So they had extra watch. They were very wary of it. Not the last time they'll see them on our journey either. However, we have to stop there. I tried, Chris. I tried. They're not even, I mean, they haven't even wintered the first time yet. I swear on my life, I'm going to get through the whole thing on Monday. I'm going to. I don't care if it takes the entire show. I'm trying. I don't like these multi-part shows. You know, I get distracted. I lack focus. That's why I, uh, why I don't have a college degree. I'm not going to lie to you. That's why I don't have a college degree. I would sit in these classes. Even after I got out of the Marine Corps, I'm using the GI Bill and I'm going to uh, Pima Community College, not to brag or anything. I got in. And I'm sitting there. I got a job. It's paying me all right. I'd already met the old lady. So I have somebody hot I could be with and I have a good job. And then I'm sitting there in class and they're talking to me about the chemical composition of magma. And I'm all, what is this idiocy? Why do I care? (laughs) Kids, don't be like that. All right. Don't be like that. Listen to your parents. I'm just saying I lack focus and it tends to ruin the radio show. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and you can still email them. Chris is checking the emails throughout the show. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We're going to read the first one from 
She says I can say her first name, so I'm going to. Gianna. Gianna, I'm not going to read her last name, but definitely Italian. Thought we'd already gotten rid of all those listeners, Chris. Quit. We can make Italian jokes on the show. All right, Gianna says this. Why is good booze so expensive? Seems unfair. And she signs off with, stay handsome. (laughs) I love this lady all right. I love her already. Why is good booze so expensive? I actually, I come at this from a different angle. I grew up without any money, okay? I still don't exactly have a boatload of it. I mean, obviously doing a lot better than I was as, as a kid. But I grew up without any money. So I grew up on, I mean, you guys think I'm joking about Red Lobster. And sometimes I say that tongue in cheek. You can ask my wife. She she's horrified. To this day she'll ask me, "Wait a minute, you re- that's not for radio. You really genuinely love it. I'll go eat at Red Lobster by myself." When I was a kid, dude, that was once every 6 months you got to eat out and that was good food. That was a good meal. And I'm not ashamed of that at all. That was awesome. And so you develop those tastes early on. You develop the tastes early on. And when I started to uh, dabble in booze, I mean, I didn't have any money. You know, you're a poor, I'm drinking, you're buying Keystone Light by the case, Natty Light, Milwaukee's Best. You're buying uh, uh, malt liquor 40s, you know, like an idiot. You know, you're an idiot. You're a young idiot. At least I was. I hope you're not. I see some of these young people today and they're so put together and I think to myself man that is so much such a better way to be than the way I was but my tastes are white trash because I'm white trash I didn't get introduced to high-end booze until I was running for Congress in Tucson and you remember you know the story everybody knows the story I'm not going to go into it I'd never run for office before I choose to run for Congress I end up being pretty good at it I beat everybody in the primary and stuff like that. And when you're running for office, Democrat, Republican, whatever it is, you're going to develop a wealthy core group of donors. However many it may be. For president, it's obviously a lot more. But congressman, senator, whatever, you're going to have a group of donors. Oftentimes they know each other. Four, five, six, ten, twenty millionaires. And you hang out with these guys a lot. They're calling their millionaire friends because you know you can squeeze donations out of your millionaire buddies without any effort at all. Hey, Tom, I need you to send Jesse $2,500. Who's Jesse? Doesn't matter. Send me $2,500. Okay, fine. That's how it works. They bundle money for in that money. You need that money for a campaign. That's how those commercials get on television. They're not free. But you start hanging out with these guys, and you're hanging out at Tucson Country Club is one of the places we hung out. It was, it's, you know... It was the the rich person little country club in Tucson. The rich people lived out there in that area. The rich people golfed there. And I started to hang out with these guys who really, really loved scotch and whiskey. And I don't mean the Jim Beam I drink. I mean from all over the world. One guy was a scotch freak. We went up to his house. Of course, he had this beautiful house. He had one of those full bars, a full bar set up, you know, bar and everything. He had... I, to this day, I hate saying the number because I know I'm going to do it wrong. I'm doing this off of memory. He had to have 100 bottles of scotch or more. 
That's all he had behind the bar from all over the world. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel 
Minnesota Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans because all veterans who served honorably, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 